0: Welcome to The Straight Stitch, a podcast about sewing and other fiber arts. This is episode 23, and my name is Janet Zabo. I'll be your guide as we explore all things sewing. If you're listening to this podcast on the release date, you will know probably know that I am on my way to Sew Expo in Puyallup, Washington. This is an event hosted by Washington State University, I went last year as a student with my friend Tara. This year, I'm going alone as a teacher. Tara had a conflict and couldn't make it this weekend, so um, I'm by myself, but I am sure I'm going to meet some people that I know, and I've already scheduled some meetups with um, some potential podcast interviewees, so it's going to be a great week. I do have a digital recorder with me, and I might be recording a few things for next week's podcast. Um, Just so you know, next week's podcast, depending on my travel schedule and how much snow there is over the mountain passes, um, next week's podcast might be delayed until Wednesday, but there will be one, and it'll probably be a recap of all my adventures at Expo. I'm going to jump right into this week's topic. I want to continue my series on fabrication, and I want to talk more about knit fabric. If you listen to episode 21, I went over some basic kinds of knit fabric, including jersey, rib knits, and interlock knits. And I talked about the various kinds of uh fabrics that fall into those categories and how you might want to use them. So today, I want to talk about sweater knits, sweatshirt knits, including French Terry, athletic knits, minky, and double brushed poly. I've worked with all of these fabrics and enjoyed them very much. So let's start with the sweater knits. It's probably no surprise that a former knitting designer is extra fond of sewing with sweater knits. As much as I love knitting, and I really do, there is a lot to be said for the instant gratification of being able to take three yards of sweater fabric and turn it into a cardigan or a pullover. And I've made myself lots of quote unquote sweaters out of fabric rather than knitting the fabric myself. There is a huge variety of sweater knits out there. So let's start with waffle knits. You might also see waffle knits referred to as thermal knits. The terms are interchangeable, although thermal tends to um, conjure up images of warmth. So things like pajamas or long johns, those might be familiar waffle knits to you. In terms of hand knitting, waffle knits can be created several different ways. I'm sure that there will be people who disagree with how I categorize these uh, fabrics, but you can make a textured knit fabric, which is what a waffle knit is, using a combination of knit and purl stitches. You can make tuck stitches, which is to knit into the stitches in the rows below. You can use slip stitches where you slip a stitch from one needle to the other without working it. There are a variety of ways of making these dense textured fabrics in hand knitting that could be classified as waffle knits. From the amount of machine knitting I've done, and admittedly it's been a couple of decades, but I did have knitting machines at one time that had punch card readers that could be set up to make tuck stitch fabrics and slip stitch fabrics. And those I think are fairly easy to make by machine, which I think is also why you see a lot of these available as uh, fabrics for garment making. They do tend to be on the lighter side, as I said, probably most suitable for long johns or lounge wear or things like that. I wouldn't make a toaster sweater, for example, out of a waffle knit, although I have made Harper cardigans out of waffle knits for a lighter weight cardigan to wear in warmer weather. So some of what you choose a waffle knit for is going to depend on the end use. But that is true of almost anything. Any any craft, the materials that you choose are going to impact the end product. Now we'll get to one of my very favorite sweater knits which are cable knits and it's no surprise again that I like cable knits because those were the kinds of sweaters that I most liked to knit when I was hand knitting. I very much liked Aran sweaters and cable sweaters and those tend to be the sweater knits that I gravitate to. Machine knit fabric is one of those things that I recognize almost immediately when I see it it has a very distinctive appearance to me. I can tell when looking at a cable knit fabric that it it was probably done by machine because of the way the cables are formed. There's a difference too in uh, like a cable and lace pattern or a cable and texture stitch pattern and a cabling pattern that looks like it's embossed on the fabric. They're all knitted fabrics but the appearances are slightly different. I recently made a couple of toaster sweaters. That's a Sew House 7 pattern. I made a couple of toaster sweaters using some rayon cable knit fabric from Joanne Fabrics. It was very easy to work with. Like Pontes, cable knit fabrics tend to be fairly stable. They don't tend to unravel when you cut them. So if that's something that you're looking for, stability in your Uh, fabric when you're working with it. Cable knits are a good choice. And just in case you're unfamiliar with what a cable knit fabric is, because I know not everybody is a hand knitter, cable knit fabric has a really heavily textured appearance, and that's due to the fact that some of the stitches pass in front of and behind other stitches to form patterns that look like ropes or cables and that's why it's called a cabled fabric. Typically, the cabling designs are fairly simple. They are, they are not as intricate and uh, as involved as hand knitting cable patterns can sometimes get. Cabled fabric for sewing projects tends to be tends to feature very simple vertical cables. Cable knit fabrics come in a variety of weights, although Just by virtue of the fact that they're so heavily textured, they tend to be a little bit heavier than uh, other sweater knits. These make great cozy sweaters. Toaster sweaters, as I mentioned, the toaster sweater pattern is one of my absolute favorites for use with sweater knits. They also make great cardigans. The Harper cardigan is another one of my favorite cardigan patterns. If you can find a cable knit that's nice and stable and doesn't stretch out and you're feeling adventurous, you could even make a bodycon dress, knit dress using a cable knit. Hachi knits are another fun knit fabric that I love. Hachi knits are basically a jersey knit fabric. So if you remember back to the earlier episode where I talked about jersey knits being stockinette stitch on a micro scale so knit stitches on one side and purl stitches on the other a Hachi knit is a slightly larger version of stockinette stitch and it's knit with yarns that are brushed on one side to make them fuzzier so a Hachi knit might make you think of something like um, a rabbit fur or A mohair it's got a little bit of a halo from the brushing it brings those fibers up to the surface I like Hachi knits um, to use by themselves but also I use them as contrast bands combined with other types of sweater knits so I might do a cardigan make a cardigan out of a jacquard knit but the jacquard knit might not be suitable for the bands, or I might want contrasting bands, so I'll use a Hachi knit for the bands instead of the same fabric in the body. Obviously, sweater knits can come in a variety of fiber contents. You can find them in cottons, rayons, bamboo, polyester, wool, and when it comes to sewing or serging with these fabrics, These are ones that you are definitely going to want to experiment with and do some testing before you actually construct your garment. I have found with sweater knits that I need to increase the differential on my serger because if I don't do that, then the edges of the seams will, the edges of the fabric and the seams will stretch out and become wavy. So on those toaster sweaters that I made with the rayon cable knit from Joanne Fabrics, I actually bumped my differential on my L860 all the way up to 1.4. Because these are thicker fabrics, I like to use a wider stitch width. My L860 will go from a five millimeter wide stitch to a nine millimeter wide stitch, and I have been known. To use the nine millimeter wide stitch I think it just gives a more stable seam. It frustrates me a bit when I see patterns that call for a quarter inch seam allowance because with a sweater knit it is very difficult to get a a nice stable seam in a sweater knit that is only a quarter of an inch wide. That's one of my current pet peeves with indie sewing patterns. You never see it on commercial patterns because commercial patterns almost always have a 5 eighths inch seam allowance but for some reason indie pattern designers are fond of those quarter inch seams. Um, I quilt. A quarter inch seam is very appropriate for quilting. It is not always appropriate for garment construction. At a minimum I will do a 3 eighths inch seam and in sweater knits, I really like that nine millimeter wide serger stitch. Your serger may only go up to seven millimeters wide and that's perfectly acceptable too. I would note that I also tend to increase the stitch length just a tad. Um, again, a lot of experimentation and testing before you begin constructing the garment will go a long way in making something that looks professional. I can usually tell when a garment has been put together using quarter inch seams when the differential hasn't been adjusted because the seam will be wavy and on the outside of the seam it will look puckered, which is not attractive. Okay, I think I should get off that soapbox now before I fall down. Let's move on to sweatshirt knits. You might think of sweatshirt knits as being really casual but nowadays we have the benefit of fabrics being made in different kinds of fibers and there are some very nice rayon sweatshirt fabrics out there that I consider to be a little more upscale and dressy. Typically we think of sweatshirt fabrics as being knitted surface on one side so usually a stockinette stitch surface where it's all knit stitches and the reverse side is brushed or fleecy. The key to choosing a sweatshirt knit fabric for a project is to make sure that that sweatshirt knit has the requisite amount of stretch. A 100% cotton sweatshirt fabric is not going to have very much stretch, so you'll either have to build in additional ease to your design or you'll have to make a larger size. A sweatshirt fabric from a rayon fiber or one that has some lycra or spandex built into it is going to have more stretch than a 100% cotton sweatshirt fabric. So you should always verify before you start a project that the fabric that you've chosen has the required amount of stretch. French terry can be similar to sweatshirt fabric. A lot of times it might be the same weight. It might look similar on the surface, but on the reverse side, rather than being brushed or fleecy, it's actually a series of loops like you would find on terry cloth. I like French terry better than sweatshirt fleece. I think it tends to be a little bit dressier. Um, I find it a little bit easier to work with, and I'm just happier using a rayon French terry than sweatshirt fleece the next category that I want to talk about are athletic knits and these are in their own category because they tend to have a much higher spandex or lycra content than any of the other fabrics they are usually polyester or nylon and they may have up to 15 or 20% spandex in them so when you're thinking of athletic knits, think of compression knits or swimsuit knits or UV knits, dancewear. These can be very slinky and difficult to work with, but if that's the fabric that you need for the application, then those are the fabrics that you're going to want to look for. A lot of what I would call the engineered fabrics fall into this category, so Uh, sports apparel fabric that is intended to be moisture wicking. Those would also fall into the athletic knit category. One group of knit fabrics that I've had a lot of fun experimenting with this winter are the minkies and velours and stretch velvets. They can be a little temperamental and you get what you pay for. So, if you go to Joanne Fabrics and get some of their Glitterbug Crushed Panay Velvet, it's 100% polyester. This is the stuff that you make kids Halloween costumes out of. It's very difficult to work with. A step up from that are the stretch velours, stretch velvets that they have. I've used those and they are much easier to work with. Fleece also falls into this category, so if you've done anything with fleece, uh, moving over to the stretch velvets and the velours won't be as difficult as if you haven't worked with it at all. Again, these are thicker, bulkier fabrics, so I would use a wider stitch width. I would increase my stitch length just a bit, and you might have to play around with the differential, but again, testing is going to help you with that. Sometimes cutting these fabrics on the fold is a bit more difficult than it would be with another kind of fabric. So you may want to cut individual layers, single layers of fabric, instead of trying to cut on a fold. One side tends to be a little bit slipperier. And these are the fabrics that will just slide all over your cutting table. And they may also slide all over your sewing machine bed. After you've worked with them for a while, you learn how to manhandle them and control them. In the beginning, lots of pins or clips uh, will help keep the pieces together while you're working with them. These are terribly linty fabrics, and they are very hard on my rotary cutters for some reason. I find that I have to change my rotary cutter blades a lot more often when I'm working with Stretch velvet or velour or minky or things like that because for some reason the fibers want to dull my rotary cutters. These fabrics leave a tremendous amount of lint everywhere. I recently finished making a crushed velvet dress and I had to vacuum out my serger several times while I was working. These are worth the effort though. Have being able to put on a cozy, tracksuit outfit made out of stretch velour or stretch velvet um, is a real luxury. The crushed velvet dress that I made turned out beautifully. Typically, these fabrics are a lot like corduroy. They have a nap to them. So you'll want to make sure when you're cutting out your pieces that you have the nap on all the pattern pieces going the same direction. And you can tell by running your hand down the fabric It will feel smooth if you run it in one direction and it will feel you'll get some resistance if you run it in the other direction and typically you want to cut things with the nap so that the smooth part is running from top to bottom. The last fabric I want to talk about because I don't think I covered it earlier is double brush poly or I might have covered it and just touched on it. Double brush poly is another jersey knit and as its name implies, it's been brushed, similar to how hachi knits are brushed to raise the nap of the fiber and make it feel a little bit fuzzier. Um, you can get single brush poly or double brush poly. Double brush poly seems to be a bit more ubiquitous and easier to find. Um, I've used double brush poly. I will tell you that if you get overheated at all, double brush poly is a is a poor choice it doesn't breathe because it's a hundred percent polyester and you will sweat like the dickens in it so that's really something to keep in mind no matter what fabric you're looking at Um, i've run into polyester athletic knits that do not breathe that i can't wear because i just they don't breathe i get too sweaty in them so when you're shopping for fabric you're going to want to consider the construction of the fabric as well as the fiber content of the fabric i think those are the most common knit fabrics that you'll run into on your shopping expeditions again the best advice i can give is to test 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 if you want to use a certain fabric for a project and you're not quite sure how it's going to behave buy a quarter of a yard, buy a quarter of a yard and play around with it. You might find that it drives you nuts and you can't imagine wanting to put the time and effort into making a garment out of it. Or you might find that it's something that you fall in love with, or it's something that the end result is going to be so spectacular that you want to put the time and effort into dealing with a fussy fabric. If you are using a serger primarily for constructing your garments, get to know that machine. Learn the ins and outs of that machine. Learn how to adjust the stitch length, the differential, the stitch width, because all of those are going to allow you to fine tune your seams to make them look as excellent as they possibly can. If you're on a sewing machine, look in your sewing machine manual. Find out what stitches are recommended for working with knit fabrics. Experiment with those stitches. Find out if you can adjust the stitch length and the stitch width. On some machines, you can't. On some machines, you can. Test different kinds of zigzag stitches to find out if one works better on your fabric than another. Once you get those dialed in and you've got some experience under your belt, tweaking those settings is gonna be a lot easier. And that's true for most sewing in general. The better you know your machine, the better you'll be able to tweak it to get it to do what you need it to do. I think that covers just about everything that I wanted to talk about with knit fabric. I know this is a slightly shorter than usual episode for this week, but I'm traveling and we've had a couple of longer episodes recently. So I think I'll end this here. And if you have any questions, feel free to leave comments. On the show notes pages, the comment function is working now. Someone tested it out for me last week, and it is working. Feel free to email me at janet at janetzabo.com. As always, I would love it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. On iTunes, I've gotten a couple of reviews lately, and that really does help the analytics. It helps other people find the podcast. The blog that I keep can be found at janetzabo.com and that usually expands on the sewing projects that I'm working on and I also tend to feature things about life in Montana there so uh, we'll be getting chicks here in a couple more weeks and I'll have pictures of chicks on the blog and plants because we're going to be starting things in the greenhouse soon. If any of that interests you, you can check out the blog at JanetZabo.com. I should note that I did set up a YouTube channel for the podcast. It is still an audio-only podcast, but you can listen to it on iTunes now if you're so inclined. I'm reluctant to start a video podcast, but if I get feedback indicating that that's something that my listeners would like... I will consider it. I'm, I'm reluctant because I don't want to start having to do video editing as well as audio editing, but if you persuade me, and I can be persuaded, I will consider doing a video podcast instead of just an audio podcast. So by all means, let me know how you feel about that. I will be at So Expo this week, and next week's episode will no doubt be a recap of my adventures. So until then... I hope you have a great week and that you get to go sew something.